if, if you have your Bible uh, today, you can turn to just a, a, a couple of passages. One I want to really highlight, Luke chapter 8, but I'm going to highlight uh, Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. You can go there also if you have the Bible app. You can uh, launch it in the Bible app. All the notes will be there, and you can add notes for yourself. Um, <clears throat> this is a very exciting time uh, to be a part of the church but also to be a part of Calvary Church. Man, I feel like things are just kind of rumbling. Uh, things are happening in the Spirit. God is giving us opportunities. You know, we're, we're now ministering uh, to foster kids through Royal Family Kids Camp and mentoring them uh, every single month. Uh, foster families are being mentored. Uh, this wasn't happening a year ago, and God is supernaturally opening doors for us. Uh, we have a call as a church, make no mistake about it. If you're new here today and you look around, you're like, wow, look at all of the young people in the house. And by the way, if you're under 85, you're young. You're like, whoa, I'm in. All right. I tried. Sorry, whether well, maybe a couple of you. Okay. All right. Sorry for the five or six of you over 85. Uh, but unapologetically, here at Calvary, we believe that God has sent us to this place to reach the next generation for Christ. And God is opening crazy doors for us. And insane doors for us that that are, are I mean they're just they're just right in in front of us and uh, by the way one of them that I all of the, all of you are are going to be a part of in Jesus name you're going to be a part of this the end of October is Harvest Night okay okay less clapping. More signing up, okay? <laughs> Don't clap. No yelling. Signing up online, okay? Listen, if you're new to Calvary and you just say, what is this Harvest Night, you know, thing? Um, uh, it's a small party we throw for the community. Okay, I'm just trying to break you in slowly. It's a small party we throw for about 3,000 plus of our friends. And this year, all of the other events that are normally happening, City of Inverness and one, a large one that was up in Denellen for years, are not happening that night. Less clapping, more signing up. <laughs> um, we, we believe that this year, we're going to see about 1,500 people just go through our hayride. On our hayride, it's interactive, it's really fun, and we preach the gospel and give a pumpkin away to every kid. And I'm here to tell you, God is opening doors for us to participate in this expanding kingdom. It's like suddenly all around us, these open doors just fly open. You know, uh, you know as, 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 as we're looking forward uh, to, to reaching all of these families and children with this uh, major event, you say, what's it about? It's got uh, laser tag and inflatables and rock walls. There's all kinds of fun. And it's, listen, it, we, we supply it. Let me just say, you supply it. We supply it. Uh, at, it's almost all completely free 
very low cost on food that basically just barely recoups the cost for the food. And we do it as a Halloween alternative. It's a way to bless and love this community. We don't, we don't charge them, and they come, and they will come. And so we're working on parking. We're working with the sheriff's department. We're working with everybody, trying to make sure that, by the way, if you, if you remember last year, it took 40 minutes to get from 44 to Croft last year. 40. Don't clap. No, no, no. Stop. Stop that. Do not clap at that. No. Sign up. <laughs> <laughs> Sign up. And so it's going to be an amazing, uh, amazing event. So we're looking forward to that. But you, you know, you, you also have to look back if you want to see how God has opened doors for us. You know, as we're, you know, we feel the kingdom of God growing in this region. We look back and we see the launch of all that God is doing through us in the area of, of foster care. Pastor Dave has actually stepped into more of a pastoral role. And, and so he is foster first, and he helps oversee our facilities teams and make sure everything is ready for everybody who's, who's coming here all of the time. Uh, but he, he and Jen are doing an incredible job. But, you know, we see that God has supernaturally opened doors, uh, even from when we planned the Royal Family Kids Camp, okay? We, we planned it. It was the only weekend that we worked very hard to find campgrounds in Florida available at any time. And we, we finally found one. Only one week would work. Scheduled that week. And the week that camp began, that Sunday, the Friday before, Roe versus Wade fell. Now listen, that's another thing where you realize, wait a minute, in a time where our whole world is falling apart, you mean suddenly within our, at least in our court systems and in the minds of many Americans, life begin to be cherished. So I want to say that's a kingdom moment that you pr we prayed in. Listen, that is a big, big deal. That, that, but, but, but what was on the heels of that? The, on the heels of it was, was this. The world began to say to the church, well, what are you going to do about the single moms? What are you going to do about the babies? Well, I loved it that the, the weekend that it fell, we were launching a camp to minister to foster children, the forgotten, the abused, the neglected. That's only God's provision. And I want to I say to you today that also there's a practical way that you can be a part of what the kingdom of God is doing uh, with, with a pregnancy center and a family center. The, the Pregnancy and Family Life Center is here today. They're out in the hallway. Their director, Stephanie Bell, uh, is here, and uh, they're incredible. But the world is asking, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? How are you going to care for them? I want to just tell you today, there's... There is uh, many people who have prayed for many years for the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and we are grateful it is. But on the heels of it needs to come action. We need to act and move. Uh, out in the hallway, you can find out more about the, the, the Heroes Walk for Life. It's, it's going to be happening October 15th. You can actually just... You just get sponsors and go and walk and raise funds to help support the pregnancy center. And in a very practical way, it's not just a pregnancy center, it's a family center. They literally will walk with those single moms and those families for as long as they want. 
They feed them. They minister to them. I went and visited there, and before I could get out of the place, we were having like healing services, praying for the sick, praying for miracles. I'm telling you, you walk in the place, you feel the presence of God in the place. And so I want to encourage you, Calvary, to be a part of this ever-expanding kingdom. And I love this. There's actually, you can get this out there, but it's, it's prayforbabies.com slash FFLC. And if you would like to receive texts when a baby in the womb is hanging in the balance, and you know the value of prayer, and by the way, this is a praying church. In case you don't know that about us, we give ourselves to praying and seek the face of God. You can actually be texted to pray in real time about a real life and a real crisis. Listen, this is how we get involved. This is how the kingdom expands. This is how the, the fire of God that we've been crying out for for weeks, this is what the fire leads to. It leads to action. It leads to ministry. It leads to very real influence in the community. And, and this is the thing. It has a name. It's called the kingdom of God. Which is very weird to us. I mean, when uh, just this last week, you know, England is installing a new king, and we as Americans are like, but who's playing football? <laughs> we don't care. We're the nation that rejected that whole idea. We, we will never have a monarch over us. And yet, and yet, as believers, we have a monarch. And his name is Jesus, and he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So there's something to be learned about this kingdom that we see moving, that we see things are happening, and how are we to respond? How do we take this divine empowerment that we've been talking about, this, this, this edification, these, these gifts that flow through us, these, this fruit that manifests through us, how do we use it for his glory? Well, a lot of people have questions. Man, if you've ever had kids, you better learn how to answer questions. Um... Mom, Dad, how do babies get here? This is where you learn to be a good storyteller. Well, it's like this. It's not exactly this, but it's like this. And then you, it, however you want to present that. Just not the way they're recommending to kindergarten through third grade these days. So there are questions about not only just life, but Christian life that people have had for a long time. And Jesus, when he was ministering on earth, he wanted to ask these, he wanted to answer these real questions that he had. And the way he did it, he, he would tell stories. Not always. But many times he would just tell a story. He would say, it's like this. Well, why a story? You know, in a, uh, in a biblical way, you would, you would know this as uh, a rabbi would use parables. 
Parables are simply stories. They're allegories that to make a a, a point, to to draw a a conclusion, to reinforce a, a, a biblical truth. That's it makes a, it uses comparison indirectly. But why he tells stories? Why this way? Why an indirect way of telling it? And this is beautiful for all of us who are part of the family of God. This is wonderful. So you and I can begin to understand this kingdom that we're in, where God is moving and doing things around us and in us and through us in real time. Why? Does he use these stories within Scripture to get these truths to us? And in, in Luke, we, we find eight, chapter 8, verse 9, he says to the disciples, what does this, when they said, what does this parable mean? And he said, to you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest, it's given in parables. So seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. You see, parables were a way to distinguish between the religious and a, a real disciple. The religious would hear a story and walk away angry and confused. The disciple would hear a statement from Jesus and think of it as an invitation. I was driving down the road here uh, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, literally minding my own business. That's what I'm thinking about, my own business. I'm thinking about things I need to do. I've got the list. I'm driving. I don't know anybody like me, like you multitask. Some of you are not multitasking when you're driving. You just turn on 80s music and you're singing at the top of your lung, you know, hungry like the wolf, Duran Duran. I don't know what you're doing, okay? You're not multitasking. I cannot do that. I, I hardly ever do that. If I have music on, it's worship. It's like my driving has a purpose. But lots of times I'm in there and I'm multitasking. And I'm thinking about, okay, I need to do this and I got this amount of time. And then when this gets done, I'll go here and I'll go there and I'm, I'm doing that. Well, in the middle of minding my own business, God spoke to me. And he said something really clear to me, really clear, that I was not thinking about. He said this so clearly. He said, my kingdom is bigger than you think. Which at first I thought, Lord, that means that in some ways I have small thinking about what you're doing. And that in other ways, I understand that you even talking to me about this is an invitation to discover something new. And so uh, I've been on a little bit of a journey just personally beginning to see the kingdom in radical different expressions. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, we're, we're really linear thinkers, you know, uh, us uh, uh, Westerners, but I'm here to tell you God is moving around the world in expressions of Christianity that you would not dig. You would be like, I'm not really into that. And yet they are producing fully-fledged disciples of Jesus Christ. I, I, want to, I want you to know the kingdom of God is way bigger than you think. And so I felt like 
We all needed to know that again. On the heels of this week, you know, uh, uh, on, on a news site I was reading as it was announcing in an article the demise of Christianity in America. They would pen, the, the, the rapid decline of the church is of great discern, uh, of great cause, and it, it, it causes uh, the calls upon spiritual leaders to awaken. And I thought to myself, you know, on the one hand, you know, I look at what God is doing here and I, I think to myself, whoa, there couldn't be more opposite of what I see and what I sense than what I'm reading. And yet I know, I don't stick my head in the sand, that what God is doing here is not necessarily what God is doing everywhere. And I want you to understand that when God begins to move in a specific way, we need to steward that. We need to say, God, will you show me the mysteries of this moment? Show me the mysteries so I understand how to walk in this, how to steward it. What is my role? We've been talking a lot about holy fire, the presence of God, and the personal applications are many. However, when you experience the presence of God in your life, it will always lead to corporate responsibility. It always leads to a sense of, God, connect me to your greater cause. God, connect me in a real way. Not only am I going to live my purpose, but how does my purpose Connect to your plan and your people. So I, I think some truths that we can draw from these stories, these it's like this moments from Jesus, can kind of show us how to navigate these moments. And if we'll lay hold of this, be truth for all of us to be encouraged by. Today I want to share this message called the incomparable kingdom. This kingdom we're a part of, it is incomparable. There are these, just these two stories, which are really more like one parable with two stories. I have some powerful truths in them I want to give you today. Matthew 13, 44 says this. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is giving us a little bit of a view into the kingdom we are supposed to be praying for daily. Did you know you're supposed to be praying for the kingdom daily? Oh, it's the prayer that's been prayed millions of times. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're all supposed to be praying about this kingdom, and yet most of us don't really think about the kingdom very often. We just kind of think about our own kingdom. 
our own lives, our own roles, our own responsibilities. We need to know more about the kingdom and we'll position our lives in a way that will bear, bear fruit for God's kingdom. First thing you need to know about this in, incomparable kingdom, once you're born again, you begin to live a life of seeking. This is a seeking kingdom. It's a kingdom of seeking. Lots of people in the religious world today, if you're here um, and you have yet to make a decision to follow Christ, I just want to let you know that the church world talks about you. And they give you a title. You are called a seeker. Now, I understand why they would do this, because you are seeking, like, okay, what's this, what's this Jesus all about? What's the church all about? What is, what is this, what is this, how, how would it have any influence on my life? I get it. I understand why they call you seekers. However, I'm here to let you know, church, if you have ever heard someone who is lost called a seeker, you need to embrace everything the Bible says about believers being seekers. Believers are to be seekers. You are not supposed to be satisfied in whatever level of relationship you experienced back in 1985. We sang it this morning. I just want more, more of you, God. It's a kingdom of seeking. You, you see, in verse 44, he said, it's like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. It's a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Now, both of these stories, here's what you find out. It's never casually or easily seen. The treasure in verse 44 was hidden wasn't lying on the surface of, of the ground. The merchant had to go in search for the pearl. In the same way, the value of salvation is not apparent to most people. The world looks at Christians and doesn't understand why we worship this way. Why in the world are you out of bed so early on a Sunday? I really, if, 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 if any unbeliever ever asked me that question, I give them one answer. Because everybody knows that in order to get the best stuff at a yard sale, you got to get up early. Come on, y'all are from Citrus County. Y'all are like professional yard sellers. I know you are. Some of y'all got a small business out of your lawn, okay? <laughs> and all of you people who are looking for the next greatest deal, you know, you guys, you guys know that you get up way before dawn. You don't even wait on the sun. You get a sign. Somebody put out an advertisement, and somebody heard you're having a yard sale, and, and, and somebody is on your lawn at 530 with a flashlight, <laughs> And you're like on the phone, there is some weirdo on my lawn. Please come and arrest them. No, 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 because seekers know that if I'm going to find something valuable, it's probably going to cost me a little sleep. 
I think that's why American Pickers was such a popular show. Because they would go places and find things that were, that, that, that were just below the surface. It's just under that entire barn which had fallen down. They crawled through and found and they, they pulled out. And they were busy seeking. And then they go through the whole, the whole deal. Okay, uh, you, know, um, you know, they find something. And you, honestly, if you've ever watched this show, you would never have given your time to digging through that dust to find those things, to pull out that rusty thing, which is about to oxidize into nothingness and pay hundreds of dollars for it. You, just, you never would have. Why? Because you don't know the value of it. And at surface level, to those who are not seeking God, they, know, they have no idea. But I want to tell you that, that we as believers, we're not only to seek salvation, we're to continually seek God. Listen to all the seeking references. I could start these verses. Most of you could finish them. Matthew 6.33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? And all these things will be added to you. What are the, all these things? That's all the things you naturally need. The clothes you wear, the, the, the money you need, the supply that we all have need of. God says, don't seek that stuff. He goes, live your life seeking me. Live your life seeking me and all that stuff it's going to follow you. You're in a kingdom of seeking. That's why just one chapter later, Matthew chapter 7, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Notice these words, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Listen to this. And he who seeks, what's it say? finds. He who seeks, finds. He who seeks, finds. Listen, church. Uh, listen, this is, I've been saying this for weeks. When you got born again and added to the family of God, it was not the finish line. It was the starting line. And we're called to seek God and to seek his purposes and to look around and say, all right, who's my assignment? Lord, where are you leading me today? God, I'm seeking your face, your heart, but not just that. For me, I am seeking your heart for others. The kingdom of seeking. You say, well, does that really work? Come on, that's only two verses. Well, since you, since you asked for another one, <laughs> Hebrews eleven six, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that he is and, listen to this, that he is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. Oh, come on, church, you need to know you need to know this today, that the kingdom of heaven is a kingdom of continual seeking where the depths and the treasures are vast. They're just hidden in a field or buried in an oyster, in an ocean. You've got to go find it in prayer, find it in worship. Find it in service. Find it in sharing your faith. You find it. You seek. 
Which leads us to this next thought, that this kingdom, it's valuable. This kingdom is so valuable. It's a kingdom of value. What do we find in this? It is what? Like a treasure. It's one pearl, verse 46, of great price. The kingdom is priceless and possesses incomparable value. Nothing even comes close to it. Christ and his kingdom are the treasure that are so rich, they are beyond comparison. It is incorruptible, undefiled, and eternal. Pearls are so valuable that in Scripture, they're, they're used descriptively. They, this is how uh, 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 pearls are associated with holiness in one passage where Jesus said, don't take what is holy and put it before the profane. That means don't, don't try to give something holy to someone who doesn't really understand God. And then the next word is, and don't throw your pearls before swine. It's saying, listen, don't take something holy and treat it so common. And we find not only from that passage, but from others throughout that, that pearls are, have an obvious value. They're mentioned in the way that, that a woman sometimes adorns herself wearing costly jewelry. So pearls are costly. But in heaven, pearls are building material. They're building material. In the book of Revelation, you find a gate that God found a pearl so big, he made a gate out of it, fashioned from one pearl. And so, uh, you know, I want you to, to know that this isn't just another religion. If you're here today and you're like, you know, someone who brought you to church, Christianity is not just another way of exhibiting control upon a population. It's a valuable kingdom. Matter of fact, it's the most valuable thing you could ever seek. This is why in, in Luke, uh, I, I hear bewilderment in Jesus' voice. There aren't very many times where Jesus is bewildered at the heart of man, it's not, I'm, I'm sorry, not Luke, Matthew 16. It says, Matthew 16, verse 26, he says, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? These are rhetorical questions. They have obvious answers, and the obvious answer should be nothing. We should give nothing in exchange for our souls. And yet the reason why Jesus be, is bewildered in this passage is that men and women have been doing it from the beginning of time. We have been exchanging the temporary. Exchanging those things which are corruptible. I said, no, we'll just take that. I'll just take the possessions. I'll just take the position. I'll just take the popularity. The truth is, is that when you know the value of the kingdom of God, 
Here's what God says. Here's what you'll begin to realize. It's worth more than anything else in your life. Christ and his presence are worth more than anything else. It's worth more than everything. This is what God is offering. Now, this last one, we don't, we don't talk enough about this in the kingdom. You know, as you and I are a part of what God is doing, we need to know that we need to have certain attitudes of heart. So we'll, we'll be seekers, and then we'll say, hey, by the way, since we know its value, we're going to stay engaged with the kingdom of God. We're not going to be drug away with what culture is offering, offering and, and, and so on. But it also in, it addresses the tendency in the, our hearts to compromise. These two stories do. See, this is a kingdom, and I'll use a, a, a church word, of consecration. This is a kingdom of consecration. And consecration is not a word that we use a lot these days, but it is a word which we need to recover in the body of Christ. Consecration means this. I'm turning away from the world, but I'm giving myself fully to God. I'm turning away from, from the, the culture. I'm turning away from sin, but not just turning away. Consecrate, it certainly means uh, to, to, to turn away from those things which do not reflect God's character and life and love. But more than that, it means I'm giving myself to him. Notice in verse 44, it says, and for joy... Over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Verse 46, and he says, and when he found that one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Notice, both of these men sell all. And by the way, this is not going to make it into financial peace week three. He's not trying to teach you a lesson on finances. He's trying to teach you a lesson about your heart. Our hearts are easily divided. Our hearts are easily distracted. But God says, when you begin to understand the value of what I am offering you, you need to offer yourself fully to the kingdom of God. And I love what we were singing a little bit earlier. Let joy rise. We were declaring it in song. and Pastor Luke, he, he did not know what I was preaching on. Did you, don't you know what we see here? He says, and for joy he sold all and went and bought that field. You want joy to rise in your life? It's time we sell all in our hearts. It's time that we stop living compromised. The most miserable people on the planet who are the people who know the truth and yet accept some level of lukewarm living when you know God is saying, come on, I want you to walk with me. I want to use you. I want to shine through you. I want to speak through you. I want to minister to you. Oh, the most miserable people 
people are knowing God is calling. And yet we're just easily distracted. You see, he's addressing our hearts here. And church, listen to me. This is a message to the church. We need to be consecrated in this hour. Want to be a part of what God wants to do? We need to be consecrated. Exodus 13 is an Old Testament way of understanding a New Testament truth. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it's mine. This was a way of saying, hey, listen, these firstborns are consecrated to me. By the way, New Testament, we all become a royal priesthood, consecrated to God. So you need to hear this. If you're born again here and you're in relationship with God, hear what the Lord is saying to you today. You belong to me. You are mine. I don't want to share you with any other lovers. You belong to me. You are mine. Give yourself fully to the Lord. Now, when you enter the kingdom of God, you're not only set apart from sin, but you're set apart to Christ and his kingdom. In 2 Corinthians 6.16, he says it this way. He says, for what agreement has the temple of God with idols? You say, why is he bringing that up? Because you're the temple of the living God. Think of this. He calls you the temple. The temple to the Jew was the place, listen to me, where others came to meet God. And he says, you are the one I'm going to send people to, to meet me. He says, there is a way that temple should be given to me. He describes it here. He says, he says, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, uh, says the Lord. Don't touch what is unclean. I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So he's saying, listen, as the very place of meeting where those who don't know me, they're oftentimes coming to the temple, not just the church, listen, not just the gathering place of the sin. He sends people to the temple, you. So that temple needs to be prepared and consecrated to God, just awaiting on the, those interactions with those who don't yet know him. It's beautiful. What is that worth when you know? worth everything. I, I want to show you this. You know, the guy who went and bought the field, he said with joy he did it. But there's a story in the New Testament about a guy who didn't sell everything. 
And look at what happens to him. When he comes, comes to Jesus, he's the young rich ruler. He's the one that comes and says, hey, Jesus, I want heaven. I want to go for eternity and be with you. I want to please God. Jesus said, hey, you're a Jew. You know what to do. What are the commandments? He quotes them all. He says, I've done all of these since my youth. But then Jesus says these powerful words to the young rich ruler. He says, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became, listen, very sorrowful. Sorrowful. For he was very rich. Notice the emotion of hanging on to the temporary sorrow. Why? Because it will never turn out to be as valuable as you thought. It will never be worth giving your whole life for. But notice the joy of the one who sells all. I don't tell this story to, to boast personally. I tell this story just to tell you the truth. I, when I was literally seconds old in Jesus. By the way, when you first get born again, you will pray crazy prayers. You will seek God in crazy ways. I did. I'll never forget the first three things I said to God. I said, God, I'll give you my friends. Teenagers, listen to me. I knew that immediately when God came into my life and I saw the value of who he was, that there were some people I would not and could not run with in the same way. They were going a different direction. I needed to run with some different people. I said, Lord, I'll give you my job, which was security and money. I said, okay. And the Lord, he asked me, when I was doing the best in that career, to leave it behind. And then I prayed the third prayer, which seems kind of small-er. I said, God, I'll give you my car. <laughs> Friends, career, car. Did you know one day God asked me for that car? He did. He asked me for the car. I was on my way to the airport in it. I was a youth pastor here, making a boatload of cash. <laughs> Just telling you. I'm driving down the road in a car that's paid off. My little Mitsubishi Eclipse. Three o'clock in the morning, God says, I want you to give this car away. I looked over at the guy next to me and I said, man, you need to pray for me. He said, why? I said, God just told me to give away this car. He said, did he tell you to give it to me? <laughs> I said, no, no, he did not. <laughs> I go away to the conference and then, uh, long story short, um, I got back. Well, while I was at the conference, my wife called me and said, honey, are you sitting down? I said, yes. She said, well, um, well, 
Earlier this morning, the Lord spoke to me and said that you're supposed to give away your car. I said, oh, yeah? Well, why don't you tell me to who? And she said the same name the Lord told me. I said, okay. And uh, we would give that car away. And then someone gave us a car. And we'd fix it up, driving around, and the Lord would come and knock on the door. I need you to give that car away. I'm like, I just got it. Give it away. I give that one away. Someone else would say, I have a car for you. Praise God. Six times. On the seventh car, I mean, it was an upgrade. For real. A Honda Odyssey, I remember that. I could carry around all of my children in it. And I was really, really grateful. And for years, listen to me, for years, I never, ever had to pay for a car. Until the Lord stopped asking me to give them away. And so, and by the way, I'm still open. I don't give away cars with payments, though, just to let you know. I know some of you are like, I got one right now they can take. <laughs> that and an $800 a month payment. You need Dave Ramsey. <laughs> I want you to listen to me today. There is nothing worth keeping in this life compared to knowing him. There is nothing worth holding on to. Nothing. No friend, no job, no, no possession, no position. There is nothing worth holding on to compared to him. And so what we as the church need to do in this kingdom is consecrate ourselves to him. It's not just about avoiding sin. If you'll give yourself to him, sin is not going to be the first thing you think about. You'll be thinking about him. How do we make this all a personal reality? Here it is. We let Jesus live as our example. You see, I've only been describing to you one way to view these parables from the point of those who are a part of the kingdom. There is another very profound way to look at these parables. It is this, that you're the treasure and Jesus is the sea. That when he found the treasure in the dirt, he went and sold all to purchase what was in the dirt. We're made from dirt. 
He is the one who goes and says, hey, listen, you don't know, but I've sold everything because you're my pearl. You're the holy one. You're the one that has value. You're the one that I can make something out of. You see, the, the way you bring this home today, the way you become a part of this kingdom, is say, Jesus, what you modeled for me, I want to become. The way you paid for me and gave all for me. Now, God, I want to respond and give all.